May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Merry Christmas. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the uh, Senior Pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. And before we go any farther, I just need to say congratulations to the Baylor Bears Big 12 champs. First time ever, baby. Awesome. Oh, seriously, come on. Give it up for the Bears. We've been in the dark a long time, okay? And I also want to thank all the Oklahoma Sooners that made all that possible yesterday. So I had a very difficult time cheering for OU. First time in my life I've ever done it, but you know, paid off. Um, anyway, we're, today we're kicking off a brand new series called Christmas Carols. And uh, this is the time of year when we finally get to crank up that Christmas music that we've been storing up since that first cold snap in November, right? Now, I know Hobby Lobby's been playing Christmas music since before Halloween, okay? Like, I get that. But now it's our turn, right? But the thing is, with Christmas carols, as we sing these things, do we really know what we're singing? Or do we, a lot of times, just find ourselves singing without thinking about the meaning behind the words or thinking about what it is that we're really singing? For instance... As I was researching for this message series, um, I researched the history and the background of 22 of my favorite Christmas carols that are on my iPod. And I found out some pretty amazing things about a lot of these carols. For instance, did you know that the Christmas carol, Do You Hear What I Hear, was written in 1962 as part of a plea for peace during the Cuban Missile Crisis? I know, how cool is that? Also, the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, was originally written by Charles Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. Um, it was written as a somber and solemn hymn. Can you imagine how horrible that must have been? Hark the herald angels sing. Well, when his friend George Whitfield heard it for the first time, he told him it was just terrible. And so George rewrote the music to be much more lively and happy and joyful, and that's the way we sing it today. Amazing, right? Now I know you might be thinking, okay, seriously, Pastor Mike, what's the big deal? I mean, what, these are just Christmas carols. I mean, we sing them, we down a little eggnog, open some presents, watch a little football. I mean, what's the big deal here? Well, think about this. <clears throat> when we get in the habit of singing things that we don't mean, saying things that we don't really mean, then we practice becoming hypocrites. We practice hypocrisy. And if we just go through the motions of singing Christmas carols because that's just what we do at Christmas, then we acclimate ourselves, we acclimate our hearts to just simply go through the motions in other places in life as well. And if we just simply go through the motions in our spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ, then simply put, we're hypocrites. Because we say or sing one thing with our lips, but live something else with our lives. And we always want our words and our lives to match. But especially at Christmas time, when the world is much more open to hearing about the birth of our Savior than any other time of the year. And more than that, 
If we've spent some time thinking about the meaning of some of these popular Christmas carols, then they will draw us closer to Christ. And we will have a deeper, more meaningful experience with Christ this Christmas and become less distracted, you know, by the shopping and the gift giving and the decorating and the visiting relatives and all that kind of thing. Which brings us to our message today, O Little Town of Bethlehem. This carol was originally written in 1868 by a guy named Philip Brooks, who was a famous Episcopal pastor here in the United States. Now, the background of this carol is that Brooks went to the Holy Land on a pilgrimage in the Christmas season of 1865. And on Christmas Eve, he took a horseback ride from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Now, it's not very far. It's only like six, maybe eight miles And while he was there, he attended a Christmas Eve service at the Church of the Nativity, which is built on the site where the manger and the stable once were. In fact, you can still see the specific site where the manger was. I mean, I've been there. I mean, it is incredible. Well, Brooks went back to the United States, and three years later, he was preparing for Christmas Eve services at his church, And he was thinking about that amazing Christmas Eve three years before. And he was thinking about when he was on a hillside, on horseback, looking down at Bethlehem before he entered the city. And it was those feelings that he felt in those moments inspired him to write, O little town of Bethlehem which was sung by the children's choir in his church for the very first time on Christmas Eve, 1868. How cool is that? So what can we learn from this Christmas carol? What can I learn? Well, here's your first fill in the morning. First thing I can learn is this. If I do nothing, darkness will take over. If I do nothing, darkness will take over. I want you to look at the first verse from this Christmas carol. I've printed there for you in your bulletin. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Now this song talks about dark streets. In fact, you know, three, four lines down, I want you to underline the words dark streets. And yes, I mean, at first glance, it just looks like Philip Brooks is talking about that the streets are dark because it was night and there just wasn't any light. But he says that the solution to the darkness is the light of Christ. And the next line down, I want you to circle the word light because it's a reference to Jesus. Well, you know, I mean, the baby Jesus wasn't walking around the streets of Bethlehem with a flashlight in his hand, okay? So that's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is, is that Jesus is the light of the world. That Jesus is the spiritual light of the world to the hearts of men and women everywhere. And he is the only solution to spiritual darkness, which by the way, is a very biblical motif. In fact, the Gospel of John opens up talking about the birth of Christ. Now, we don't really think about this as a Christmas story because it doesn't talk about, you know, mangers and donkeys and angels and that kind of thing. But 
it's still about the birth of Christ, and so it still is very much of a Christmas story. So I want you to look at what John chapter 1, verse 1 says. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, Jesus is the Word. Okay, that's a, the Word is a reference to Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light is also a reference to Jesus. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So Jesus became the light of the world. And listen, by his very presence, he repelled spiritual darkness. And look, this concept of light and dark, it, it, it's not unique to Christianity or to spirituality. I mean, you learned about light and dark in junior high science class, right? And so when we know that whenever there is light, dark cannot exist in the same place because light repels the darkness. And in the same way, in the absence of light, darkness fills in. Which is the very principle that Jesus warns the disciples about later on in the same book. Look what he says in chapter 12. Jesus told them, telling the disciples, he says, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. And he was talking about himself because he was about to be crucified. You're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. See, look. There is a constant battle between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. There's a constant struggle and attention there. And for the darkness to win, all there has to be is an absence of light. Let me give you an example. I went to the Holy Land the first two weeks of November uh, with some people here at the park. And I'll never forget what I saw when we entered Bethlehem. We came into Bethlehem, the entire city was encircled with this great wall. And at every entrance into the sea, on every road, there were huge steel gates guarded by the Israeli army. And I turned to our guide and I asked, why? I'll never forget what he told me. He said this, he said, it's because Bethlehem is now more than 80% Muslim. When the Muslims began to move in, the Jews and the Christians began to move out. And Bethlehem had become a haven for Palestinian terrorists. And so to guard against the threat, the Israeli government built the wall and now guards the entrances and exits to the city so that no one goes in or out without the Israeli government knowing about it. And I'm going to tell you, it grieved me to know that one of the holiest places on earth where God touched down as a human is now under control of Palestinian Muslims who, because of their religion, don't follow Christ, don't believe in Christ, and don't want to have anything to do with Christ. 
But that's what happens when God's people do nothing. In the absence of light, darkness moves in. Which is why it's so important that we as Christ followers don't just huddle up in our churches and talk about how terrible it is of what the, the state of the world. No, we have to be the ones to go and change the world because it's not gonna change on its own. Because in the absence of light, darkness fills in, which is why it's so imperative that you and I, we get involved. We get involved in the political process. We get involved out in the community. I mean, for heaven's sake, at least go and vote. I mean, we need to get involved in sitting on committees in local government. We need to get involved in our schools. We need to get involved in our businesses. We need to get involved out in the community in any way that we possibly can so that we can be light in a dark place because our light keeps the darkness at bay. That's what we have to do. Which brings me to the second point this morning. Point number two is this. I can share the light of Christ by helping children. I can share the light of Christ by helping children. One day Jesus was trying to teach his disciples about how to be great in God's eyes. And when you look what he says in Mark chapter 9, beginning of verse 35, he says this. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. And, and who should they serve? Look what he says. He took a little child and had him sent among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. You see, when you help little children, whether they're local or whether they're very far away, you're spreading the light of Christ. Because in a very real way, when you help a child, you are welcoming the presence of Christ into your life, and you're also helping that child open up his or her heart to the light of Christ as well. And when you do, that keeps the darkness at bay. And even more, when you change the life of a child for Christ, then that child has an entire lifetime ahead of him or her to share the light of Christ in their part of the world as well. And honestly, as Christ follows, we're to spread the light of Christ everywhere we can. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. If we as Christ followers aren't willing to do whatever we can to help a child, whenever we get the chance to help a child, then we're hypocrites. At that point in time, we become a hypocrite. And that's the very thing we're wanting to avoid by going through this entire series. So how? How can I practically share the light of Christ with children? Here it is. Give to the Christmas offering. Give to the Christmas offering. Now, today, we're kicking off our annual Christmas offering. Now, honestly, our goal for the Christmas offering this year is $100,000. We've never attempted a six-figure Christmas offering before, ever. But I tell you what, I've seen what God does through the hearts of men and women in this church. And just think about how many children's lives we can change for Christ with $100,000. But it's going to take all of us to do it. It's going to take us all. 
Now look, don't do this. Don't just simply redirect the money that you normally give to Parkway Fellowship and just like redirect that to the Christmas offering. Don't do that because we still have the same bills in December that we have in November and all the other months of the year, okay? So don't do that. Give to the Christmas offering in addition to your regular giving here at the park. And I'm excited to tell you that every single dollar that's given to the Christmas offering is going to go help children. Every dollar is going to help children. They're going to help children all over the world. In fact, we're going to be supporting four organizations that specialize in helping kids. And they are uh, Love 146, which helps to rescue girls out of human trafficking. Still Creek Ranch, which provides shelter and education for kids whose parents cannot care for them. Katie Christian Ministries, which provides food, clothing, and school supplies for impoverished children. And World Vision, which provides education, clean water, and nutrition to children all over the world. And here to help me talk about World Vision today is Dana Fay. She is the National Church Advisor for World Vision and liaison to Parkway Fellowship. So let's welcome Dana to the church this morning. Thanks. Good morning, Parkway. Merry Christmas. Um, Dana, uh, first off, thanks for making it all the way down from dangerous Dallas, you know, in crazy weather <laughs> this week. It was a little treacherous, but I'm really glad to be here. I'm glad that you're here as well. Um, Dana, what, um, when, a, when a person sponsors a child through World Vision, um, what does sponsorship do in the life of that child? Uh, very directly and basically it provides for very life-saving basics like food and clean water, education in the way of books and school uniforms and sometimes even building schools, healthcare, things like checkups and immunizations and malaria and bed nets and that kind of thing. So um, you're providing those basics, but really the best thing that you're providing as a sponsor, I think, is love and encouragement uh, when you write and you support them. So, and not only are you supporting... Hello. Well, not only are you... Can y'all hear me? Here, yeah, here, keep, well, try keep to talk. Oh, there, there it is. Um, not only are you supporting your children, but you're also supporting their parents. I mean, think about it for a second. When a mom and a dad are out there in Guatemala or in Tanzania and they can't provide for the just very basic needs for their kids, that's heartbreaking. And so that's where you and World Vision can step in and help. Mm. Now, Dana, I know that Parkway Fellowship sponsors two ADPs. First off, would you tell everybody what an ADP is and <laughs> Uh, about Parkway Fellowship's two ADPs. Yeah, we love our acronyms, so sorry. Sometimes we speak, you know, in these crazy terms. ADP means Area Development Program. And all that means, it's a, it's a geographic area where we work with the community to combat the very basic causes of poverty, like dirty water and some of the things we talked about. Um, lack of education, malaria, things like that. So, um, more formally, it's defined as a geographic area of contiguous communities, so communities that are next to each other. Think of it like a county, but there's only like 10 to 50,000 people in those, and they're spread out all over everywhere. The people who went on the trip this summer can tell you they're pretty remote. We work in those communities from about 12 to 18 years with the people in the community to make these programs help tackle the root causes of the poverty, and then we leave, which sounds really strange, but we really wanna work ourselves out of business because we want the community to own those long-term solutions and to have them be sustainable. Awesome, and uh, what are the two ADPs that Parkway Fellowship sponsors? I always forget that, don't I? That's the small okay. detail. That's all good. Yes, you guys <coughs> are partnered in an ADP called La Union in Guatemala, and one called Muhe in Tanzania, and as a matter of fact, some of your brethren 
Some may be in here, raise your hands if you are. Went to Guatemala with us last summer to visit their sponsored kids and to see our work there. And I think we have some pictures of the team. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, they're there. And they, they can tell you some really wonderful experiences they had. We loved having them. Um, and we're going to be taking a team to Tanzania this summer. That's great. Um, Dana, one of the things that makes World Vision unique, you know, amongst the smorgasbord of other World Relief organizations is how World Vision changes a community and not just the life of a single child. Talk a mo moment for a how, about how World Vision does that. Sure. Um, obviously, you're sponsoring <clears throat> your child and you're helping your child directly like we talked about, but then the rest of your funds are pooled into the community and we do things like build water wells and schools and health clinics. And that's not only helping your sponsored children and their families, it's actually open to the entire community. So you're not just helping one family, one child, you are really making a difference in a whole community. When they start to see that kind of change and they start to understand it's for the whole community, hope starts to happen, people become involved, and they really begin to believe and participate in ways that lift them out of poverty. That's great. How many, about how many people do Parkway Fellowship, does Parkway Fellowship sponsor, and how does that change a community? How does that, you know, You guys expand? currently sponsor about 400 kids, and it's kind of interesting how that has a multiplier effect. Okay. So you sponsor the 400 kids, and they each have two parents for the most part. So then that means you're affecting what about 1,200 people, and then they each have two siblings, and that becomes, you're affecting 2,000 people, and then you're building water wells and schools and things like that, and you start to think about how this really does become helping a whole community when you sponsor, well, one child. Hmm. And talk about microloans for just a second, because I know that's a part of community change as well. Uh, World Vision provides job training skills and also business training for the parents in those communities. So again, part of this is making jobs so that it can become a sustainable model for the community. And so um, we do things like microloans. And as a matter of fact, your group that traveled in Guatemala this summer met a group of coffee farmers who got a microloan from World Vision. And what they did is they started a co-op and they taught each other better farming techniques. And then they also actually used the money to build a facility where they could process the coffee beans and get them to market at a more advantageous price. So they made more profit. They were able to pay their loans back, and then they were able to take that money that they'd originally put into the pool and loan it to other farmers and grow the co-op and grow the co-op and actually even employ people in their community. So you can see how that one loan kind of had a major effect on the whole community. And what was really kind of interesting, or maybe not so interesting, is that um, the reason the first farmer that we met with found out about the microloan is because he had a sponsored child. So he was exposed to the loan through the sponsorship. That's program. awesome. Uh, now, for those of us that sponsor children already, what is something that we can do at Christmas time so we can you know, like, s specifically help our sponsored child? There's a few things you can do. First okay. and foremost, I hope this never gets old saying this, is pray for them. Um, I think sometimes people forget, but praying for them, praying for their families and communities, but make them a part of your Advent family traditions because they are part of your family. They feel that way too. And the World Vision staff, you can attest to that. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, you can um, email your child. Did you know that? That you have the ability to email your child through your account on worldvision.org or myworldvision.org. Okay, wait, seriously? Some of these kids like live out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, no electricity. They have email, really? No, they don't have email. Okay. But what happens is we have wonderful staff in these ADPs who do have computers and hopefully okay. electricity. <laughs> right. That's kind of spotty, as you yeah. know, too. But what they do is they print out the emails and they hand deliver each one of your emails to, to your kids. Great. 
You can also send them a gift, which a lot of people okay. don't know they can do. There's some parameters around it, but you can send them small packages. And really the most important thing you can include, although the kids in the group may say otherwise, is a picture of your family. Because a lot of kids don't believe their sponsors are real. They want to see your face. They kind of go, who does this? So that love and encouragement, when they see your face, it becomes real, real. But you can also give a larger gift. We have um, a, a number, an um, 877 number that I think's in your bulletin, where you can call and what happens is the community worker in the ADP goes out, talks with the sponsored family, and they find out what they need. And then they work with the family, they go out and they purchase what the family needs on your behalf as a gift. So it's not like we give the money straight to the family and we hope it happens. It's actually a process. And, and when we are through with that, you guys actually get a picture and a report of what the family bought. You know, that's really true. Uh, we didn't know that we could give a gift. So last year, last Christmas time, uh, Amy and I were sponsoring two kids at the time. And well, now we sponsor four. But um, the two kids that we sponsor, we decided to try it out. So we called and we sent uh, some additional money to our World Vision kids um, for Christmas. And then it took several months, but several months later, we got back a letter from each of our kids as well as a picture of what they bought. And so let me show you the first one. Here's the first picture of one of our kids. And um, they were able to take our gift and they bought shoes for all the kids that are all for himself and his brothers and sisters. And they bought some jackets and they bought a few toys and they just bought some things that they needed for their household. Um, the second kid, let me show you what they bought. Um, that, he's the one on the right and that's his mom. Um, they were able to buy a bike, he was able to buy a bicycle, so now he could ride his bike to and from school, because school was like really far away, but in the afternoons, he now can use his bike as a taxi, so he can help raise money for his family and provide for his family. Additionally, his mom, they were able to buy a sewing machine, which you can kind of see, it's right between them there. Um, they were able to buy a sewing machine, so now that she can mend and make clothes which further helps their family. So literally, because of that gift, they are lifting themselves out of poverty. I mean, it's really amazing. In fact, in the letter that he wrote us, he wrote us, he said this, he said, um, we have not stopped smiling since Christmas because of much happiness. How cool is that, right? That's awesome. Hey, Dana, thanks a ton for being with us today. Let's give, let's give Dana a hand. Thanks, Dana. I want to show you how the Christmas carol, Oh Little, Beth, Little Town of Bethlehem, closes. And honestly, it's a verse that we almost never sing. It goes like this. Where children, pure and happy, pray to the blessed child. Where misery cries out to thee, son of, son of the mother mild. Where clarity or charity stands watching and faith holds wide the door. The dark night wakes, the glory breaks, and Christmas comes once more. I'll be honest, I cannot think of a better ending for that carol or a better ending for this message. Because when you and I decide to become the light of Christ in a dark world, when we become involved in our community and shine the light of Christ, when we become involved in helping children locally or globally, when we become the light of Christ to them, then it creates places in the world where children are pure and happy and Christmas comes once more. So I want you to take your connection card. I want you to 
turn it over on the back and look at the next steps that are there. I don't want you to take the next step or steps that you feel like God is inspiring you to take. And you can take more than one, but you certainly don't have to take them all. Take the ones that you feel like God's inspiring you to take. And maybe it's this first one. I will look for ways to be involved in my community, school, and work so I can be a light in a dark world. Would you do that? Would you make a commitment that I'm gonna be, start being involved in the political process, in my community, at my kid's school, in my business, wherever I can to keep the darkness at bay? And I want you to take these next steps. I want you to check them both on your card as well as your sermon notes. Because everybody's going to turn this card in. Okay? Maybe this is the second one. I will give to the Christmas offering this year. I'm not asking you for an amount. In fact, I just want you to go home and pray and say, God, how much do you want our family to give to the Christmas offering? Because I'll be honest with you, I don't want you to give what you want to give. I want you to give what God's telling you to give. All I'm asking for is a commitment to be a part of it. Would you make a commitment to be a part of the Christmas offering this year? And then go home and start praying about it. And you can give online or you can you know, mail that envelope in, however you want to do it. Oh, and by the way, the Christmas offering lasts through January 31st. Because I know some people get year-end bonuses that you actually don't even get until the first week or so of January. So we have two months for this offering, two months. Next, I will sponsor a child from World Vision today. Out in the foyer today, we have 125 children from the um, Guatemala ADP and another 125 children from the Tanzania ADP. 250 kids. Last service have already sponsored a whole bunch of kids. I would love to see all 250 kids get sponsored today because honestly, they need it. Because those kids won't have Christmas this year without a sponsor. It just won't happen for them. So would you sponsor a child? In fact, if, you, if you're not sponsoring a child, it, I promise you it's the best 35 bucks a month you'll ever spend. If you already sponsor a child, I would ask you to consider sponsoring a second child. Maybe one from the Guatemala ADP and one from the Tanzania ADP. If you decide you're gonna sponsor a child, inside your bulletin there's this other card. On the back, if you're gonna sponsor a child, go ahead and fill out this information. That way when you get to the table, you can just turn this in and then you can pick up a portfolio of a child and you can just go ahead and take it with you. It'll just save you time as well as waiting in a line. So if you'll just go ahead and fill that out, that would be great, okay? Next, I will, uh, I will send my sponsor child a Christmas gift by calling 800-777-5777. Now you can't give a special Christmas gift to your child through the website. You have to call the number because they they're gonna walk you through and show you how to do it. I'm telling you, it's great. It was the greatest, one of the greatest things that Amy and I did last year and we're gonna be doing it again this year. So I'd encourage you to do that if you already have a sponsor child. This next one, I will fund a microloan through World Vision. A microloan, uh, they start as low as $25 and they go up from there. But if you want to do a microloan, and we have some microloans specifically for our Tanzania ADP out in the foyer, the, here's the cool thing about a microloan is that it is a gift that is a gift that goes in perpetuity, which means that once it's loaned out and that money's paid back, it's loaned out again, and then it's loaned out again, and loaned out again. So literally your money keeps working in perpetuity forever. That's the great thing about a microloan. Next, email me dates and info about the Tanzania mission trip this summer. Hey, if you think you might want to go and see your World Vision child, you will get to meet them face to face. If you want to go to Tanzania, we're going to take a mission trip this summer. This is not a commitment to go. This is just, hey, email me dates and information so I can think about going. So if you want to go, 
Check that box. We'll email you the dates and info this week, and that way you can put that on your calendar and be, begin thinking about if you want to go. We'll actually start signing up for that trip uh, after the new year. Or the last one. I want to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. And we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet, but maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart to change your life. Maybe you came to church today searching because you feel like you've been in a dark world for a long time without much light. Well, I'm telling you, if you'll ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you for everything you've ever done wrong and then pledge your life to following him from this day forward, I promise you, he will change your life. And just like he's changing lives all over the world, just like he's changed so many lives in this room, and if you want to become a Christ follower, there's a sample prayer for how to do that at the very bottom of your message list. If you've never prayed that prayer before, now is your chance to pray that prayer. In fact, I want everybody, I'm going to give everybody a chance to do business with God right now. I want you to bow, I want everybody right now, bow your heads, and I want you to ask God about each of these next steps that you've taken, maybe how much he wants to give you the offering, how many kids you want to sponsor, should you do a microloan, should you get involved, where in the community he wants you to get involved. And if you're ready to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to do that. So let's all take a few minutes right now and do business with God. Father, I want to say thank you for every single person that's in this room today that you've brought to this place to hear about what you did in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago by sending your son, Jesus Christ, and how through that one Christmas carol, you inspire us to keep the darkness at bay, to help children across the world. And I ask that you would inspire each of us to do what you want each of us to do. And we would follow your lead by sponsoring, by getting involved in our community, by changing our area to reflect your glory and reflect the light of Christ. And that above all things, God, our lips would match our lives as we sing these carols this Christmas season. I love you. Thank you for the chance to be here today to hear from you. And I ask that you'll bring us all back safely next week to hear more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.